All right. Am I on? Check one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Muy bien. Oh, thank you for translating that for me. Well, I have a confession to make. I just love this church. And I'm not talking about the building either. I'm talking about you guys. You guys are awesome. And I'm so excited. And I just want to put my quick endorsement on this this, uh, conference coming up. I challenge you and I dare you to come. I believe it's going to be another shift in our church culture, in your life. Our paradigm is going to shift. You know, when when our mind is being renewed, we're transformed, right? And so we want our mind to line up with God's ways, his kingdom. And I think we're going to learn some cool stuff about creativity. I mean, we're already learning. We're already experiencing it. But the shift comes when you get it and you begin to run with it, when you begin to do what God has designed you to do. (sighs) I'm really, I've been excited I almost feel like Christmas morning because I've been excited to share, to preach this word, because I feel like God just blew my heart up with this the last couple of days. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that we get to be a part of all this cool stuff that you're doing. Lord, that lives are being transformed, namely ours. And then we get to go out into the community and see other lives transformed, see people reached and touched for Jesus. So, Lord, we open our hearts for you to speak to us. We offer our hearts for you to challenge us, to convict us. We want to be changed. We want to become more like Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, teach us today. Envision us. And we thank you for empowering us to take your word and, and, and apply it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This will be the last part of I've been doing a money series called Money Talks for several weeks, even in the midst of between us having guest speakers and all kinds of amazing things happen. This will be the last part of that series. Um, I'm sure I'll talk more about money in 2017 sometime, but as far as this series, this is the last part. And what I want to talk about today is setting yourself up for success with your finances. Setting yourself up for success with your finances. You know, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Or or another translation says, where there's no vision, the people perish. But happy is he who keeps the law. Where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. I believe when we catch the vision of what our finances are for, we will become more excited about money than we've ever been. When we understand what money is really for, I believe we'll become more excited. Now, some of you think, well, if you give me a million dollars, I'm already excited about that. I don't need any more excitement, but I'm talking about even something bigger than that. Understanding the purpose that God has, where there's no vision of people are unrestrained. You and I need to realize and understand that your finances are not just about you. Too many people make their money and the accumulation of it all about them. 
all about paying their bills, all about meeting their needs, all about getting their desires. And see, we get all frustrated and we get consumed with worry and everything about money, and it becomes all about us. And that's why it becomes such a stressful thing. We need to realize that it's not all about us. Now, it's important, you know, meeting our needs, paying our bills, putting clothes on our back and that kind of thing. That's important. That's part of God's economy. But I believe that's a, the smaller part. But we make that, unfortunately, the bigger part. And if you stay in the area of where that is what you work for, you work your, your job 40 hours a week plus because it's all about getting that paycheck so you can pay your bills, so you can save up money to go on that family vacation, so you can buy those new shoes or a new boat or whatever, you're missing it. And many of us are missing it. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, so don't worry about these things. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples talking to the crowds, and he says, don't worry about these things, and he's talking about practical needs. He says, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. Check this out. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. People are consumed, they're worried, they're stressed out on having enough money to be able to take care of their needs. It dominates their thoughts. Many people are consumed and, and dominated by worry about not having enough Christmas money for Christmas presents right now. He says, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He already knows this. And he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. See, the system is, it's like this, this secret is, the world is consumed with worry for having enough money to meet their needs. And it dominates them. And Jesus says, you don't have to be that way. God knows that you need those things. Put him first, his kingdom first, and he will make sure you have those things that you need. And the cool thing about God's kingdom, it's not just about our needs. But he even says stuff like, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you ask whatever you desire, and I will give it to you. So it's not just about our needs, but it's about wants and desires, too, as we partner with him The trade-off is putting him first, going after him in his kingdom, and he says, okay, you take care of my stuff, I got your back. I'll take care of this stuff. And that's what he's been saying to Rhonda and Lisa. I got this. I got this. Yeah, I got this. I can't do it like Lisa, does it? So the higher purpose for finances, it's all about advancing his kingdom. Money is a tool that we get to use to partner with our Heavenly Father to bless people and impact their lives in wonderful ways. In Acts 20, the second part of verse 35, Paul says, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, It is more blessed to give than receive. Now, Paul's quoting this, but he said, Remember what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than receive. Here's how I take that. 
God designed us. Well, first of all, how many of you guys realize that God is the ultimate giver? You know, one scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? He didn't just give something. He gave his very best for us because he loved us. And so he gave. God is a giver. He's very extravagant. He gives and gives and gives. Well, when you're born again, all of a sudden you have his DNA because we are created in his image. And so all of a sudden you've been designed in such a way to where you're, you, your real self wants to give and give and give. Matter of fact, you're more blessed, you're more satisfied, you're more content when you give versus receiving. But when we're not connected to his way and his kingdom, it gets all messed up and all distorted, and then it becomes all about getting. And we get stressed out and we get worried, and everything just gets turns up, turned upside down. So God designed us to want to give. He called us to live to give, to partnering with and being directed by Holy Spirit to meet the financial needs and desires of people. So when we understand that this is what money is really about, you know, we pay our bills for sure. We put food on our table for us and our kids for sure. We have shelter. We have transportation. We have all those things that we need for sure. God is not minimizing those things. He's just saying, I have a better way for you to acquire those things. And he's saying, trust me. Do it my way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And if you read that whole passage that I've shared this verse a few weeks ago, that whole passage, verse 4, 5 through 10, I believe it's talking about finances. Because it goes on to say, you know, trust him with all your heart, lean out on your understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Uh, fear the Lord, turn from evil. Uh, and then, I'm just trying to quote it. Then he says, honor the Lord with your wealth so that your vats, your, your basically, you'll be overflowing with what you need. More than enough. And it all goes together. But the first part is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, the way of the world is, I got to do what I got to do so I can get what I need to get. So I will work 40, 50, and when I'm talking about, you know, even Christians saying, okay, I need to work 40, 50, 60, 90, 150 hours a week because I got to put food on my table. And so we're stressing doing all this, and in the meantime, we're neglecting our families. We're neglecting spending time with brothers and sisters so that we're being built up and encouraged to do what we're really called to do. And there's nothing wrong with our jobs. I mean, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So we're designed to work, but we got it all backwards. It's not to work to get all this money so we can have more. It's to work so we can partner with him to use money to impact people's lives. And in the meantime, we get to take care of our needs and desires. Do you think God gets upset when Todd gets a new guitar? I mean, think about it. And I'm sure God has blessed Todd with guitars. I think I remember him sharing those, that with me. So it's not like God is opposed to you having things. It's how we go about it. We put him first, his kingdom, 
And all these things will be added unto us. And I believe the stress will go down. The health issues will go down because stress causes a lot of health problems. But we got it all backwards. And we need to understand what money is for. And it's to to advance his kingdom and it's to bless people. And I'm going to ask a friend of mine, Chris Dunlap, to come up and share a testimony he shared with me the other day. Now, Chris is a businessman. Well, he's a man of God first who happens to be a businessman. And he shared a testimony with me that I thought was really cool because it goes along the lines of what I'm talking about. Well, um, first of all, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Chris Dunlap. I was born and raised in Oklahoma City, and I ended up in Chillwater. I call it Chillwater because everybody here is so chill. And uh, it's a kicker of a town. That's a free one for you there, Steve. (laughs) But anyway, uh, I've been blessed, God and I, with a courier business. Everything I've ever done in my life pretty much involves cars and people. I love cars and I love people. And... uh, I deliver what's called uh, wound back machines. Anybody ever in here had a wound back? Okay. You know what it is. It's, it takes infectious material out of your body. It keeps you from getting your limbs cut off. I mean, it's uh, an invention that a doctor over in Ireland invented. And I had a call to take a machine to Marietta. A lady was supposed to go to her house. And she was actually in the hospital. And she says, well, don't even come. They're going to cut my legs off in the morning. Oh, my, I just, my spirit just went straight south. Well, let's back up a little bit. This same company that I have this contract with, a friend of mine had the same thing happen to him. I'm sitting in the hospital room, and the doctor comes in, takes out a magic marker, says, I'm going to cut you here and here. And he's a Native American, and I didn't know this, that they have special ceremonies and things that they do whenever you lose a limb as a Native American. And this doctor's plan and all this. I found out later on, I don't have anything to back this up, but this is what I've been told. That doctor would have made, made $25,000 for each cut, meaning he's going to walk away with $50,000. Really, does he have an incentive to save that guy's leg? Not. So anyway, this lady tells me my legs are going to be cut off in the morning. Don't even come. Keep in mind, I've been down this road before. So immediately, what do you do? You call a wise man. I called the pastor and I said, look, I know the phone number to a doctor or I can get, I've called my friend and got the number. I said, I could lose my contract and I have the whole state if they were to find out that I have given this lady this number and said, hey, I'm not feeling you getting your legs cut off yet, but why don't you try this number? So I'm driving down the road, and I'm listening to praise and worship and praying and calling pastor here. And I get there, and there's a helicopter coming in, and it, I sit there. I'm an aviation nut, and I'm sitting there praying, watching them bring this patient in. All of a sudden, the Spirit says, well, not only do you need to tell her about the... Um, Doctor, but you need to bless her. So the devil tried everything he could to keep me from blessing. Every machine in this ATM machine in the hospital is broke. I had to leave and drive two miles, go to ATM. So I go to the gift shop, get this card, put some money in it, and I walk into the place, and this lady's in there in her room. She's by herself, no family. I said, where's your family? She said, well, I don't have anybody left but my 16-year-old son. He does, he's not here because he doesn't have the money to get here. He's in Fort Worth 
well, there's where the money should go. Then, come to find out, she was the daughter of an Assembly of God preacher who knew my former preacher. So it's starting to really click, you know. And so I prayed with her, and I gave her the phone number and everything, and I said, look, ma'am, I don't normally do these type of things, but every now and then I had to move by the Spirit. She totally understood, and I, and I blessed her and walked out. Before I got out of the hospital, I got an email from a company that I haven't done business with in probably about six months because they were slow paying me. So I wasn't happy about that. that. Well, they have half a million dollars worth of airplane parts that need to get to, from Tulsa to Houston, Texas, like now. And I said, well, I'm sorry, folks. I can't really do business with you guys anymore because uh, it took you like 200 days to get me paid. They said, well, we'll pay you in advance. I said, oh, hallelujah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, this is the biggest deal I've ever, one-time shot I've ever done. So they, they got the check and everything, hooked it up, and I'm driving down the road, and I pick up the part. I ended up driving about 1,500 total miles. And, you know, when God sends you on these missions, he doesn't go halfway about anything. I stayed in a brand spanking new Holiday Inn. I was the first person to lay my head in that bed. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Jesus. So I get down there, and my godbrother, who lives in Houston, of course, my daughter lives there, and it's, today's her birthday, by the way. She's 27, and she's a diva. She's in Vegas, and call, I call, and, well, I'm fixing to go to the spa, so that's a whole other thing. I, I did raise her, so, you know. But anyway, um, I was so torn about what to do in this scenario with this lady's getting her legs cut off. But that seed that I planted came back, 15 times more than what I planted. It was the biggest deal, one-shot deal I'd ever done. And now it opened up the door for me to continue to do these. We're going to create a whole new division just for airplane parts. But I got smart with these people. I said, well, if they're willing to do this, now the term of the payment is seven days and we can do business. No 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You pay within 70 days and we can talk. So <laughs> God is good. But anyway, um, it, it is so good. And, and one thing I left out of the story is when after I called the pastor, uh, when I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to charge them, you know, he led me. I made the decision on what to charge sitting in a church parking lot. I was on holy ground. God <laughs> so my motto, and I mean, I don't know where the Lord's going to lead me in, in the business arena, but my motto is you can be in business for a profit. P-R-O-F-I-T, or the prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. E-T lasts forever. It has an anointing on it. It'll go farther than you can ever imagine, and it'll come back, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Step out on faith. Do your Psalms 37 forward. Delight yourself unto the Lord, and he'll give you desires of your heart. Take that vision and run with it. Don't despise small beginnings. I mean, Hobby Lobby started $600 of borrowed money. Now it's worth $5.5 billion, you know. So I'm sure there's entrepreneurs, there's visionary people in here. But as he, um, the pastor was telling me, you know, you got to do with your heart. If you lose the contract, I'll be staying with y'all, you know. <laughs> but 
But no, I didn't go down that way. But anyway, I just he only gave me five minutes to speak, and it was like giving a dog a bone with a bunch of meat on, saying, you got five minutes, and I'm taking it back. So my bone is gone. So <laughs> Thank you. you know what I appreciate about that story is the fact that he's a businessman and he makes money, not just to have money, but to be a blessing, because he's, he's lined and positioned himself up to be Open to the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And talking about excitement, when when we partner with him and become agents of hope, agents of encouragement and blessing, then when you have to go to that nine to five job that you may not be too crazy about, but when you recognize I'm working this job so that I can be a blessing to other people. See, it puts a whole new perspective on what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, in, in, you know, these declarations that we've been talking about over and over and over and over and over again, I've been making declarations about my finances, about different parts of my life, but namely my finances. And I, I say things like this. I no longer have a poverty mindset when it comes to money, wealth, or resources. I see and view money the way Jesus intends for me to see money. Lisa and I are totally debt-free right now because of the merciful and wonderful provision of our Father and we choose to maintain a debt-free lifestyle. Now, that situation is not true per se yet, but I believe it will because he said we can speak to this mountain and it will be moved, right? I enjoy, here's another one, I enjoy giving money away and I am receiving his grace upon my life to give more and more money away. And because we are amazing stewards of our father's wealth and resources, he is entrusting us with more. I've been making declarations like these and many more Day after day after day after day. And here's what's happening. And I wasn't planning on this. I wasn't making these declarations for this to happen. Remember we talked about our mindset changing. Our mind being renewed and we're transformed as our mind is renewed. Up until a couple of years ago, I used to probably spend hours and hours a day, not keeping track of it, but hours and hours a day with the thought of money in the back of my mind and frustration. Frustration, anxiety, it's like, man, are we ever going to get out of debt? Are we going to have enough money? You know, just these, these, these nagging thoughts about money. And it would consume my thoughts quite often. Up until a couple of years ago, that doesn't happen anymore. But here's what's happening now, and I just realized this the other day. I daydream about money. And I, was, I guess I was daydreaming about it then, but it was just it was a nightmare. <laughs> you know, not having enough, frustration, debt. I find myself daydreaming about money, but here's what's happening. I dream and daydream about ways to secretly bless people. I think about, man, so-and-so, man, I'm going to get him a new car. I'm going to get him a new... And, then, and I think about strategic ways of planting the car in their yard and getting away without them knowing who did it. I think about partnering with, with people that I know who are on the front lines of the mission field, like Rhonda and, and Lisa, Chuck and Holly. Ben Elliott, the, uh, the Underwoods, and just different people who are in ministry doing incredible things, and I get to partner with them to see the kingdom advanced. And so I find myself thinking over and over and over again about money and about what I'm going to do with it, what, about what I get to do with it. And I find peace in my soul, encouragement, excitement, The frustration is gone. 
And I believe it's because he is renewing my mind. See, because another, another confession that I, I a declar- a declaration is the poverty mindset has been destroyed and removed from my life. I no longer think in the poverty mindset. And see, the poverty mindset is always being consumed with not having enough money. It's always consumed with, I got to have enough. And, and you're just focused on that. Where a kingdom mindset is, what can I do with what he's given me? What can I do with what he's given me? You know, there's some friends of, and that go to this church. I'm not going to mention their names because I didn't ask their permission, uh, even though they happen to be sitting here today. But uh, some friends that we, go, we used to go treasure hunting a lot. And they went with me whenever I was bored and didn't have anything to do. And I said, I'm going to go treasure hunting. I call them, hey, you want to go treasure hunting? Of course. So we'd go out treasure hunting. And the thing that I enjoyed with this couple is they always looked for opportunities to give money to people. I mean, they would purposely have money on them. And then whenever a need presented itself, they were quick to give to those needs. And I remember one time, it was kind of comical. We, we had this amazing treasure. It was a husband, wife, and two little girls. They were fishing, and they were on hard times. Well, they were our treasure. The clues led right to them, and it was an amazing time. And we're talking, blessing them, you know, the crying, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm, I'm kind of watching. I'm here with the man, uh, my friend, and, and this guy, and we're talking. And we affirm this man and bless him and encourage him. All this kingdom cool stuff happening. And then I notice the lady was talking to the lady. And I'm kind of watching this thing go on. And then I saw this man give this guy some money. And then I saw the lady go to the vehicle and get her purse and get money to come and give it to the wife. Now, they weren't aware that they had both given them money. And then later on... They found out that they, they had, and the only sorrow or the sadness that I, from what I understood, that they had was because we came across another situation, another encounter, treasure hunting, where this couple could have used a financial, they needed finances. And this couple was excited to want to give, but they had given all their money away already. And see, that impresses me. And it's like, you know, when I grew up, I want to be like that. I want to live to give. I want to live to bless. You know, I daydream about thinking about people who, who are frontline in the trenches of the sex trade ministry, where they're, they're snatching people and rescuing slaves from the sex trade industry and getting to partner with them through giving. Because, see, I don't have the grace on my life. I don't feel the calling to be involved personally in that, that ministry. But, boy, I sure love to give. And so, what, and so what I'm recognizing is as I'm making these declarations, I'm getting excited about money. The frustration is diminishing, but it's because I get to partner with him and do amazing things. You know, uh, Kay shared a testimony of, you know, a few weeks ago of how she desired some Converse tennis shoes. And then she said, you know, Daddy, I would like some Converse tennis shoes. She said it wasn't a need, it was just a desire. And, in, and I didn't know this part until you texted me the details. She didn't tell, not only did she not tell anybody, she didn't even tell her husband. So her husband didn't know this. She didn't tell anybody, Daddy, I would like some Converse. A short time later, she comes to work, to her office right there, and I guess there was a package. Was it in front of that door? There was a package on the floor in front of that door. Now, she didn't tell anybody this request. She opens the package, Ninja Turtle wrapping paper, right? 
And she opens the box, brand new Converse tennis shoes. Are you getting this? We spend so much energy and anguish and frustration going after money so we can consume it on what we need and want. And we're miserable. And we're broken and we're in debt. So therefore, we have to work more hours to keep ahead of this whole process. Where we can trade that process in, connect with his process, do kingdom finances his way, and not only have what we need, but have more than enough to give away. Because we're designed to give, we're going to be more fulfilled, more excited, more happy, more encouraged, looking for opportunities. And see, there are some of you, there are many of you in here who have, the, who have been graced with the gift of giving. I know some of you. You just live to give already. And I'm not necessarily talking to you per se as far as needing to give more, but the rest of us, he wants to pour grace on the rest of us where we have that grace and that desire to give. And then when we have that vision, see, we're, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. But when you have vision, then you're willing to do whatever it takes to be able to accomplish that vision. See, when you see money from that perspective, then you will do what it takes to get out of debt. My number one financial goal right now is to get out of debt. You know, my wife and I were talking the other day, and I was like, man, we don't need more money. If we get out of debt, we'll be rich. That's all I want for Christmas, debt free. To pay off that stinking debt so we can have more money to go and play with. And freak people out. Bless people. I mean, think about it. You, you, have, you go out to the restaurant and you have a waitress that gives you poor service. The food is kind of lukewarm. Well, just in the back. But let's say the food, you know, you take care of that and the, her service is not that well. Maybe she has a bad attitude or whatever. And you don't respond according to her service, but you respond because of the hope that is inside of you, because of who lives inside of you. And you said, you know what? Let's bless this girl. And then she comes, bring you the check. And then you, you know, Lord, do you have any words for her? And then he gives you words. You begin to bless her and love her and leave her like a $1,000 tip. Or $100 or something outrageous. And she knows she didn't deserve it because she was having an attitude. But you give just because you're his, you get to, and you know it's what he would do. And then you impact her life because maybe you leave her a little note or you, you prophesy over her or share or you get your guitar out and sing over her. Just kidding. But when we look for opportunities to bless people and when we're living for that, his kingdom, then money takes on a whole new dimension. And then when we realize to be a better steward and see, this is why God wants us. He wants to be able to entrust us with more of his resources so we can dispense it more. But the, his word says, if you're faithful with what you have, then he will make you rule over much. He will give you more, right? So that means we have to be faithful with what we have. That means I need, when it comes to money, I need to have a budget. If you're not living on a budget, then you are setting yourself up for debt and failure. If you're not living on a budget, you're setting yourself up for debt and failure. 
And, you know, some people have partial budget. They say, well, you know, we, we make sure we pay for our rent or our, our mortgage and we pay for our groceries, pay for gas, all come, we pay for that. But they don't pay for, they don't have a budget for everything. See, a budget, a true budget is having a name on every single dollar that you get. Everything is covered. Some people have a budget for part of it, and they don't have a budget for the rest of it. They have five, $600 left, and end up going to the movies, and end up spending this and all that kind of stuff. Then it's like, oh, we forgot we needed new tires for our car. Having a partial budget is like being a football coach and planning your offense and scheming your offense for success and leaving your defense to do whatever they want to do. How successful is that team going to be? Not successful at all. So we have to have a budget. We have to hate debt and see what it really is, is bondage. When I'm having to give debt to, the, to give money to this debt, then that's less money that I can give to this kingdom activity over here. And so we will, when we see money the way God wants us to, then we're willing to do whatever it takes to be better stewards. And we're going to be more faithful. We're going to be better managers. And then God's going to be able to entrust us with more. And we're going to be able to give more. And there's just going to be this, this cycle, this wonderful cycle, instead of that debt cycle. And one thing is, is husbands and wives, you guys got to be on the same page when it comes to finances. You know, they st- still the, the leading cause for divorce is money fights. Couples not doing their money right, not being on the same page, not having the same goals, not having the same plan. He or she wants to spend, he or she wants to save, and there's this clash. And, and you know, 7.2 million Americans, married Americans, spend money or have credit cards without their spouse knowing it. You know that? 7.2 million. That just causes chaos. So my challenge to you is, I don't have time to get into all the, here's, what you, here's how you need to manage your money more than you need to manage your money successfully and faithfully. And there are plans out there. Dave Ramsey, I'm a fan of Dave Ramsey. You can go online and take his course, $100, $99, and it will help you. But the vision is what you get to do with the money. And I believe God is challenging and encouraging us so that we will set ourselves up in a way that he can just dump his resources into your lap. To where we're not always having to say, God, what, what, we need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And more of our prayers are, Lord, what do I do with this? What do I do with all this? This, this is too much. I can't give it away fast enough. Wouldn't you want that to be your dilemma versus the other one? Because he is so giving, and because he cares for us, and because he wants his kingdom propagated more than we want it, imagine what it's going to look like when we as a body become more in alignment with him concerning our finances. In the Bible, there's biblical principles on giving, tithes, and offerings. I shared, more, I shared a lot about that in, in part four, I believe. You can look on the internet, part four. Talked a lot about tithes and offerings. God's kingdom, when it comes to giving, I believe it's intentional 
And it's regular. It's consistent giving. It's not this, well, I'm just going to be led and just give when the Holy Spirit leads me. I believe there's part of that, but I believe there's also a place where we give consistently. Would you want your boss that you work for, you work 40, 50 hours a week for, would you want him to be led to pay you each week? Or would you want him to be consistent in paying you each week? I mean, see what I'm getting at? I believe the Bible teaches there's tithes and offerings. I believe tithing is for the local storehouse, the local church, giving regularly so that ministry can do what God's called it to do. Paying the the staff, the ministers, paying the light bills, that kind of thing. And then the offering is when you say, okay, Lord, who can I give this to? And that's when you partner up with with other ministries. That's what we do. We tithe. Because we believe in a local church, Lisa and I tithe regularly to Hillcrest. Just kidding. Just seeing if you're paying attention. We tithe to this local church, and then there's other ministries that we give offerings to. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you, first of all, to get the right vision. And life will become full of excitement, full of adventure. I mean, imagine when you have this money and you're thinking, okay, who are we going to give this to? And then you spot somebody, and then you and your husband or you and your friends or whatever, you start scheming and planning and strategize how you're going to get this resource to them without them knowing who did it. I mean, how fun is that? Let's stand together. As part of your financial moving and and becoming more, um, a better manager of your finances, I would highly recommend and encourage you, including declarations over that, so that your mindset begins to change how you see and view money. And your mindset begins to change how you handle money. Amen? Well, Father, we thank you that Thank you for what you did today, the the cool things we got to experience and just your presence and and your encouragement. And I thank you that we're all leaving here today with more hope than we had when we came, more encouraged and more inspired to go and see people's lives radically changed because we get to partner with you to do amazing things. You called us to do, you've designed works, great works for us to walk in on a daily basis, and we choose to walk in them today and tomorrow and the next day. So, Lord, I just thank you for your blessing on your people. I thank you, Father, that they're beginning to see themselves like you see them. And I thank you, Father, that you're changing our mindset and we're beginning to see ourselves the way you do, and we're beginning to believe what you've called us to do. So we thank you. You're so wonderful. You're so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 